hey, everything is in you. Arouse your energy, put in the effort, don't hurt anyone. Just contribute as much as you can, give value. And just know that every thought, anything that arises, just passes. Let's get into some wisdom from the Buddhist scripture. Alright, what's up everybody? Sagi here and today I want to go over with you on the Eight Noble Path, which is um, basically the Buddhist's kind of like Ten Commandments, more like Eight Commandments. But as you see, they cover all the Ten Commandments and more in uh, their own, you know, commandments of their own. I have read a couple books and they find it very interesting. That's one I want to share with you. Alright, so this is the Noble Eightfold Path, which is as follows. Right view, right intention, right speech, right action, right livelihood, right effort, right mindfulness, right concentration. Um, when they say bhikkhus or bhikkhu, I don't know how they say it, but bhikkhus is um, basically a student, right? So what bhikkhus is right view. Right view is the knowledge of suffering, the knowledge of the origin of suffering, the knowledge of the cessation of suffering, the knowledge of the path leading to the cessation of suffering. So basically the Buddhists have um, just four principles that lay on the backbone of the Buddhist culture. It's four principles that once you understand the four of them, then you have the understanding that can, um, that you, now you can practice the path and you know, now you can call yourself a Buddhist if you will. There are four principles and they really apply to life and they say, hey, um, think, about it, think about it yourself. Does this apply to you? One, there is suffering in the world. Does this apply to you? Do you suffer ever? <laughs> well, yes, of course. All right, so that's the first principle. Two, understanding that the suffering is only in yourself. When I suffer, I suffer. Nobody else suffers. I mean, for instance, I can be irritated for something, but nobody else around me feels irritated, right? Or perhaps you're waiting at a stoplight and the car behind you honks their horn. And you're like, hey, what the, you know, why are they hunky? Like, you're upset, you're feeling suffering right now. You look back and you see that they just saw a friend of theirs in the second lane, in, in the lane next to you. So you understand that they didn't honk at you. And then your level of suffering goes down, right? So we understand that when we suffer, it's only because we suffer inside. And um, in the worst situations ever, there's documentation, like even in the Holocaust, there's documentation of people that experienced massive suffering, obviously, but they chose, some chose, not to accept the suffering caused by external sources. So once we understand that suffering is within us, then we can actually cure it. And that's the second principle. So if you agree with me up until now, great. And I hope you are, because now if you're saying, no, suffering is caused by external sources, what are you, stupid or something? So if you're saying that right now, then you can leave. <laughs> Bye, I don't want you as a friend or subscriber, right? Um, so, I mean, you're smart enough. You know that suffering is only inside of us, right? So third principle is very easy to understand, right? It's simple logic. So if there is suffering, and the suffering is only within us, so the way to kill the suffering is to stop the suffering within us. Only we can do that, and we should. That's the way to stop suffering, right? So that's basically the third principle. Do you understand it? It's simple logic, great. Now we come to the fourth principle. The fourth principle is this. If there is suffering, and we understand that suffering is in us, 
only inside ourselves. So that means that only us, only we can uh, kill suffering. Then the fourth principle is we have a path to kill suffering. We need to find that path. And that path is mindfulness to kill suffering because that's the feeling inside and mindfulness will help us kill the suffering. So that's kind of like that, what the four principles the Buddhism lie on, right? So they call it knowledge of the path leading to the cessation of suffering. So the path, now you can disagree on this one, right? Because obviously the path is, you know, what the Buddhists call the Buddhist way. Um, mindfulness and, and everything that comes with the Buddhist culture. Um, but this is the path, right? The, according to the Buddhist culture. So this because is called right view. And what because is right intention? The intention of renunciation. The intention of non-ill will. The intention of non-cruelty. So um, this because is called right intention. So the intention of renunciation, basically letting go, right? When we have thoughts arise and we let them go, we're free, right? Um, when we have negative thoughts, oh my God, uh, financial stress, uh, financial stress, corona. Um, then we, and we say, okay, thought, just thought, let's let it go. Then um, we, uh, we practice letting go and it's great, it helps us. Second thing is non-ill will. It's very interesting that they say non-ill will. Basically they're saying don't be freaking lazy, <laughs> right? So just don't be freaking lazy. And I think it's so true. To achieve anything in life, we need to have non-ill will. They don't say have good will. They say avoid ill will. And that's so important. Third thing is the intention of non-cruelty. So make sure you don't do any cruelty right like to have an intention to not be cruel ever right by the way when they say the intention that's very interesting because they don't say just don't be cruel like they know nobody cannot not be cruel sometimes but they, just, they say just like, work on the intention to you know avoid being cruel and that's very important like the intention when people say the intention doesn't matter, it's your act, then, well, you know what? Your intention really matters because that's how you make progress, right? So that's like what the Buddha is saying. And what because is right speech? Abstaining from false speech, abstaining from malicious speech, abstaining from harsh speech, and abstaining from idle chatter. This because is called right speech. So in the Ten Commandments, they say don't lie, right? But you know what? Um, here in Buddhism, they say a couple things. They say first, abstain from false speech, like don't lie. Abstain from malicious speech, basically leading people, um, you know, hustling people or just fooling people. Don't fool people, right, with your speech. Abstaining from harsh speech. Don't hurt people's feelings with your speech. Abstaining from idle chatter. And I love this thing because it means a couple of things. Idle chatter in Buddhism means, first of all, gossip. So don't gossip. Gossiping is bad. Don't do it. And the second thing is, um, is also idle chatter is like when you don't have anything smart to say, just don't talk. Don't waste people's time and or thoughts as well. Thoughts are precious. Don't waste people's thoughts. If you don't have anything smart to say, you better off not just don't say it. Just, you know, be be humble um, and I think it's a great thing so and regarding gossip by the way you know it's so important not to gossip ever like, I, I, as soon as I learned this I was like huh right gossip is bad and I didn't even know that back then I was like everybody gossips and I just ever since I started being mindful of when I gossip about anyone and what because is right action abstaining from killing living beings abstaining from taking what is not given abstaining from sexual misconduct 
this because is called right action. Right, so um, this is pretty straightforward, right? Don't kill living beings. By the way, um, if I'm not mistaken, the Ten Commandments, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, they say don't kill humans or don't kill living. Like they don't say don't kill living beings. They say just don't kill. And mostly what you can refer to it as humans. But here they explicitly say living beings. And we know that the Buddhists, they don't, they don't kill um, actual living beings. They try to not kill anything that is living. Um, and I once was in India and I was in a Dalai Lama talk and the Dalai Lama said when you want to kill an ant when you come and step on it it runs away everyone wants to live abstaining from taking what's not given it's also very interesting they don't say don't steal in the Ten Commandments they say don't steal but here they say something different they say don't take what is not yours what has not been given to you and this is very important so for instance, if you go on the street and you see a $100 bill, are you going to take it or are you going to leave it there? So that's very important. That's a dilemma in Buddhist culture. But basically, like, it, it means that, you know, stealing is one thing, but also taking what's not yours, that's a gray area and just they want to avoid it. So they say, just don't take what was not given to you, man. And I think it's great. Um, so for me, when I see some kind of like bill in the street, I take it, I pick it up because nobody else is going to pick it up and do anything good with it, probably. Um, and, I, um, and I and I donate it and I put the same amount that I found. So if I found 100 shekels, I donate 200 shekels to charity. Avoid sexual misconduct, right? Sexual misconduct, I don't have to tell you about it, right? Uh, all right. And what because is right livelihood? Here because a noble disciple, having abandoned wrong livelihood, earns his living by right livelihood. This because is called right livelihood. So in Buddhism, basically they're saying like anything, you have to develop, like make a living from something that is morally good um, and not bad. So for instance, in Buddhism, being a butcher is considered bad. Um, it's like wrong livelihood. And you can say, there's, well, there, are there no butchers in Buddhist countries? Yes, they are, but the butchers themselves are kind of like saying, we're taking the bad karma here um, for the good of society so people can eat meat or something like that um, if they want to, I guess. But um, the, the right explanation, the, the proper explanation is it's wrong livelihood to be a butcher or to fishermen or anything that kills. And what because is right effort? Here because a bhikkhu awakens zeal for the non-arising of unarising evil unwholesome states. He puts forth effort, arouses energy, exerts his mind and strives. This is amazing. Amazing. Look at this. This is basically kind of like Tony Robbins speaking. So awaken zeal. So awaken, like, awaken your true passion. Find a passion for the non-arising of unarising evil unwholesome states. So put in the effort and find the passion to stop bad states, state of minds from coming up. Because when bad state of minds are coming up, you become an asshole, man. <laughs> that's, that's toxic attitude. You don't want that, right? Um, so here, because awakens zeal for the non-arising of unarising evil, unwholesome states. By the way, look at this. They put two words together, evil, unwholesome. So when you're unwholesome state, that's an evil state to be in. And, and that comes also to decision-making and to anything you do. If you're not closed on what you want to do, that's a bad state to be in. All right, he puts in effort. Just put in the effort, don't be lazy. Put in effort, arouse energy, exert your mind and strive. 
I love it. The next thing is related. He awakens zeal for the abandoning of a rising evil unwholesome states. He puts, in for, uh, he puts forth effort, arouses energy, exerts his mind and strives. So here they say, at the beginning they say, um, put in, find a passion to make sure that unwholesome states like don't arise from the get-go. But they say over here that when they do arise, because they know they do arise, right? We have negative thoughts all the time, we're humans. So when they do arise, put in the effort and have passion for abandoning those thoughts, those negative connotations, those, those negative thoughts and feelings that arise. He awakens zeal for the arising of unarising wholesome states. He puts forth effort, arouses energy, excesses mind and strive. So awakens zeal for the arising of the unarising positive states. So have passion to find and work on getting those positive state of minds in effect. Just like make sure to like work on the switch to turn them on. Put in effort, arouse energy. It's amazing. And then the fourth one is this. He awakens zeal for the continuance, non-disappearance, strengthening, increase in fulfillment by development of arising wholesome states. He puts in earth efforts, he arouses energy, exerts his mind and strives. Look at this. He awakens zeal for the continuance, non-disappearance, strengthening, increase in fulfillment by development. That's what we're doing right now. You're watching this YouTube video or this video, wherever it is, and you are basically working on strengthening, increasing and fulfilling by development. You're developing yourself of arising wholesome states, right? That you're in. He puts forth effort, arouses energy, exerts his mind and strives. Uh, you, you gotta love this, really. <laughs> it's amazing. All right. Um, if you like this right now, at this point, please like this video and maybe just even share it on your social media for a second and come back. I'm not kidding. Like this, so many people have to just get this. So this because is called right effort. And what because is right mindfulness? Here because a bhikkhu abides, contemplating the body as a body. Ardent, fully aware and mindful, having put away covetousness and grief for the world. He abides, contemplating feelings as feelings, ardent, fully aware and mindful, having put away covetousness and grief for the world. He abides contemplating the mind as a mind, ardent, fully aware and mindful, having put away covetousness and grief for the world. He abides contemplating mind objects as mind objects, ardent, fully aware and mindful, having put away covetousness and grief for the world. This because is called right mindfulness. All right, so check this out. So they, they talk about a couple of things. They talk about the body as a body, right? Contemplate the body as a body. Um, your body is just a body and that body contains thoughts. So basically that you have feelings. You understand that you're sitting down, you're aware, right? You understand that you, where you, like, you understand you have a body and the body is just a body, just like flesh and blood, right? And you understand that you have feelings and you can be aware that you have feelings. And then when, you come to, when you're aware you have feelings, you can be aware that you have the mind that causes the feelings to arise. You contemplate the mind as a mind. You understand that it, it's, all, it's like, it's just the mind. Everything's moving all the time, feelings, thoughts, and then you can understand that feeling and thoughts 
are what's called mind objects. They're mind objects. They come and they go. Amazing. So this is right mindfulness. So, and what bhikkhus is right concentration? Here bhikkhus, a bhikkhu, quiet, secluded from sensual pleasures, secluded from unwholesome states, enters upon and abides in the first jhana. So jhanas are kind of like the steps in, uh, in Buddhism, basically like uh, you advance in the steps of like towards enlightenment. Accompanied and applied and sustained thought with rapture and pleasure born out of seclusion. So um, basically they say um, you have rapture and pleasure born out of like your seclusion, uh, your, your practice, right? Uh, with the stilling of applied and sustained thought. So you apply sustained thought and um, and you basically get, it's basically practicing mindfulness and meditation all the time. He enters upon and abides in the second jhana, accompanied by self-confidence. Now you have confidence that you can do it. And singleness of mind without applied and sustained thought. Basically, you lose the applied and sustained thought. You lose the thoughts. You can get rid of the thoughts. With rapture and pleasure born out of concentration, with the fading away as well as rapture, he abides in equanimity, mindful and fully aware, still feeling pleasure with the body. So this is the part where you basically have no thoughts and you can uh, get rid of your thoughts, but you still feel the, the body, you feel the pleasures of the body. But then you wanna get rid of those, right? Because they too pass. You gotta understand that also pleasures and pains, each of them are just passing so you can get rid of both of them in your mind. Um, so they say, enter the pond and abides in the third jhana, on account of which the noble ones announce he has pleasant abiding with the equanimity and is mindful. With the abandoning of pleasure and the abandoning of pain, with the previous disappearance of joy and grief, he enters upon and abides in the fourth jhana, accompanied by neither pain nor pleasure and purity of mindfulness due to equanimity. This bukus is called right concentration. This is the noble eightfold path. How beautiful is that? You gotta love it, right? I mean, for me, this thing is just amazing. I mean, it, this is like reading, like just having a motivational speaker um, right there. It talks about like, it's the beautiful thing about um, the Buddhist culture where they say, hey, Everything is in you. Arouse your energy. Put in the effort. Don't hurt anyone. Just contribute as much as you can. Give value. And just know that every thought, anything that arises, just passes. And you know what? Everything's good. You're making progress. The intention is what counts. And there are some specific things that you should not do. Don't kill living beings, right? Don't play God. Just understand that anything is within you. Just be mindful and work on your mindset, work on your mindfulness. I just love this. Anyways, I hope you loved it too. And uh, write in the comment where, and, and say what your take is from this. Like, what did you like the most? This has been a great, uh, great thing for me, like learning about the Eight Noble Path. I'll put also a link to uh, a book that talks more about it, more in depth about it. Um, it's called What the Buddha Taught by Rapula Rahula. Amazing book. Uh, one that a meditation teacher back when I just started learning about uh, Buddhism when I was back in Myanmar, Burma, uh, a meditation teacher there told me, hey, uh, I asked him what book, what one book do you recommend like that I can take with me and read and learn more about Buddhism? So he said, 
find what the Buddha taught. And I found it in the market that day and I, uh, I loved it. So anyways, everybody have a great day and night wherever you're in the world. Uh, please check out the meditation um, video as well so you can also meditate, especially in this time, super important. And I wish for you to have the right view, right intention, right speech, right action, right livelihood, right effort, right mindfulness, and right concentration, everybody.